Welcome to another episode of The Raven Narratives. I'm Sarah Severson. And I'm Tom Yoder. We are the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. And of course, we are both sheltering at home during the current coronavirus pandemic. So we're recording our podcast introductions on a Zoom call today. The story you're about to hear was told in March of 2020 at our storytelling events at the Durango Arts Center and the Sunflower Theater, when the theme was firsts and lasts. Ellen Vest Schinkel was born in Charlotte, North Carolina, and has called the Southwest home since 2001. She first came to the area to climb rocks, ride mountain bikes, ski, and work in wilderness therapy, eventually helping to start Open Sky in Durango, Colorado. In 2012, she recreated herself professionally and now is the owner of CrossFit Cortez Evolution Gym, an adult playland with the most fun community ever. Here's Ellen's story. She's got a fan club in tonight. (laughs) (sighs) Ah, it's so warm and cozy in here. Like I am surrounded in one of those big, fuzzy, snuggy blankets, you know, with like the little bears or the unicorns on there. And it's just so awesome. It's like I'm in the snuggie and then I'm inside a giant snow globe. Like, so cuddled up in here, everything's fantastic. All I have to do is play with my little tiny fingers and my little tiny toes and try to open these eye things and play with this mouth. And This is just the best ever. I love this place. But you know, it's kind of starting to get kind of tight in here. Like, I feel like maybe I'm growing, getting bigger or something. Like, I'm about to bust out the edges of this snow globe thing. And, uh, and kind of all of a sudden, I feel like I'm starting to go down this black hole and my head is starting to get squished. Like, that's really tight. I, I don't know, that doesn't feel really good. And oh gosh, I'm going down, I'm going down. Whoa, where am I? Look at all these bright lights and all these people that look like big versions of me. Wow, this is amazing. And it's so stinky. It smells like chemicals and bleach and oh, and what's all this stuff all over me? And oh, they're wrapping me up in this blankie and they're putting me in the arms of this lady. She's so nice. This must be what love feels like. I think this must be my mom. Ah, oh, wait. What are you doing? Why are you taking me? Where are we going? What, what's going on? I want to go back. Please don't take me. This is my adoption story. I was born on December 14th, 1976, or so we think, that's what I've been told, uh, in a hospital. And uh, I spent about three months in the hospital because I had hip dysplasia. You have to wear these big, like, old-school cloth diaper thingies, and uh, yeah, so that they go back into place. And so I think I was passed from caregiver to caregiver and also would never see my birth mother again, never have found her, so... And once I finally came home, it was March of 1977. And I came home to Kathy Schinkle and Tom Schinkle. I eventually had a brother, too, also adopted, we're not related, John Schinkle. They're amazing. They are my family. I call them my parents and my brother because they are. And, uh, yeah, I came home, and my mom left on a trip, and I stayed home with my dad. And I bonded with someone finally, or so I've been told. Uh, It was heaven. And 
when my mom came back, my dad immediately left for a trip. And unbeknownst to them, that was probably not the best idea for an adopted kid, right? <laughs> yeah, as a lot of you probably know. And so my mother tells me the story like this. I was inconsolable. I could not be calmed. She couldn't get me to relax. I wouldn't let her hold me, crying, kicking, screaming. I can't imagine what it must have felt like to be her in that situation, wanting to bond with her baby that she had brought home and unable to. I rejected her like I was rejected. Well, adoption is really tough. And um, it's, it's a lifelong process. And it's been a lifelong process for me. And through all of my time and, and learning and everything, what I've figured out is that, um, you know, people have one or two reactions to it when you tell them that you're adopted. The first one is, oh, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? Are you going to be okay? Kind of the woe is me thing. And that makes me feel like I'm damaged goods. The second reaction is just nonchalance, really no reaction at all. And when I get that reaction, I feel like unimportant, not valuable. And the reaction that I want to have is curiosity. Ask me questions. I think any adopted person would say that. Real, probably anybody would say that if they shared something important uh, about them with you. And to validate my feelings. Well, throughout this lifelong process that I've been through in healing from my adoption, there's been two ways that I have been able to heal. One is by moving my body, by using my body, letting go, getting it all out. And there's a lot of research that says, you know, body trauma is let go by moving our bodies. And the other way is through giving back, which we'll talk about later. So I've always been an athlete. I was a gymnast, competed to the age of 15, 16, rode the bus from school five days a week, practicing three hours when I get there, uh, weekends, everything. And gymnastics was amazing. It probably kept me from getting in a lot of trouble as a kid. I definitely got into some trouble, which my parents didn't find out about, which is amazing, because <laughs> I was really sneaky. But I got, I got away with it, and it was a good time. Um, and I got, it, I got it out of the way early, so that was probably smart. And uh, so then gymnastics led to soccer, went to college to play soccer, uh, didn't finish out playing soccer there, but it was awesome. And then ultimately rock climbing. And now mountain biking, which is my sport, as a lot of you know. Um, and so there are these points in our lives where things take us uh, to another place. Uh, something happens, and everything just goes, and we detour this way, right? I've had a whole bunch of those. And so long story, this is a whole other Raven narrative story. But <laughs> when I was in Spain studying abroad, I stayed with my boyfriend. Bad idea. Uh, there were these really hot guys in Spain. I shouldn't, should have just gone for that instead. But I didn't. I was good. And when I came back, he had, the whole group of friends had gotten into cocaine. And he had cheated on me with one of my friends, maybe more than one. I'm not sure. And it took them three months till somebody came out and told me about it. So here I am in college in Asheville. I had to find a completely new group of friends. And who did I find? This horrible thing led to this awesome thing. I found rock climbers and kayakers in Asheville. And Climbing was amazing. It saved my life for sure. And uh, if any of you are climbers in here, you know that it takes pointed focus to do this sport, to be in that zone. You cannot be anywhere else. You have to be right there to lead a traditional climb. Well, my first lead climb was very interesting. It was in Linville Gorge outside Asheville, North Carolina, which is this really musky old, it's one of the oldest parts of our country. Well, 
I had been climbing with these old dudes. Like everybody back then climbed with the old dudes because they were the most badass. And they would teach you how to climb right, and, uh, or so I thought. And I climbed with a lot of old dudes in my time. And they basically handed me a rack of nuts, which are these little triangle-shaped things that slide in the cracks in the rock, and a whole bunch of slings, and said, go for it, lead this climb. Yeah. Luckily, it was like a 5.5 five or 6 or something like that. Um, but I led it, and I was in the zone. And I was like, wow, this is what it's all about. And I have continued to do sports like that, of course. And I climbed that thing, and I didn't think about anything else until I got to the top. And I built my anchor and got set up, and they lowered me down. And, you know, I, all I remember thinking about was just how amazing that was, that, that deep feeling of focus. And then they cleaned all the nuts for me and came down, and they were like, so, you know, you climbed it really awesomely. That was great. And none of your nuts would have held. So, of course, I probably could have died. <laughs> um, but whatever, after that, I climbed big walls and slept on walls and all kinds of craziness, and, and uh, it turned out okay. So. so then that led me to come out west uh, from North Carolina. And I came out west and did a Knowles semester, National Outdoor Leadership School. And on that semester, I met a man named Thor Mark Thornberry, who was actually supposed to be here tonight, which would have been really cool. And uh, he told me about wilderness therapy. Well, wilderness therapy is incredible. I followed it. I did this for 15 to 20 years, helped start a program in Durango called Open Sky. There's some of those homies here tonight. It saved my life. Wilderness therapy is a crazy thing. <laughs> it's you really young, young adult people trying to be adults, but they really aren't at all yet, maybe even until they're 60, I don't know. Um, and still, yeah, still not adults. <laughs> Easy shingle. So um, leading these rogue, wild hoods in the woods around in the wilderness. Well, um, it was awesome. And uh, carrying these packs made with plastic tarps and cordage and seatbelt webbing. Well, it was awesome. And I got to give back. So that's the other way I got to heal. Moving my body, giving back. These kids, I ended up in groups with adopted kids. And it's like when you meet another adopted person, it's like finding your tribe. They get it. They understand what that birth wound feels like. And it was the most incredible thing ever. Well, they all did a lot of therapy, and I figured I should probably try this too, you know, this therapy thing, you know. So I went to my first therapy session with Gregory Martin, and uh, I got there. I was super nervous. I walk into the room. It's that burnt orange color walls like you find in, like, a Santa Fe house. And it smelled like hippies. Palo Santo, <laughs> incense, the whole nine yards. It was, it was crazy. What does that smell like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Somebody was burning it earlier, I could tell, downstairs. So, um, yeah, don't distract me. No. So I was there. It was, I was super nervous. So I sat in this fuzzy chair, which was amazing, and, uh, and I was like, okay, this is, this is cool. You know, this is going all right. And uh, at some point, I'm not sure if I told him that I was adopted or if he asked me about some childhood thing, but I told him I was. And he asked me what I felt about that, and I was like, well, I'm fucking pissed. Like, this is a raw deal. Like, I, I have trouble in my relationships. I have, yeah, I'm mad. I'm angry. And he was like, let's get that anger out. And I was like, okay, cool. What are we going to do? Throw those plates over there? <laughs> Throw this vase? Break some shit? I was like, yeah, let's do it. And no, no, no. He wanted me to scream. And I was like, hmm, you want me to do what with you in this room? You want me to scream? So I tried it, and I think maybe my first scream sounded like this. Eee! <laughs> it wasn't very good. And I got better, and it felt really good, and uh, it, was, it was incredible. And now I see what the benefit of therapy is, and uh, still today do it when I need it. 
Well, here I am now, 2020. Is that the right year? Yeah. And I have, through my whole life, had all these experiences and all these change points where I went different directions. And now a lot of you in this place know, a lot of you are here, that I own this gym called CrossFit Cortez Evolution Gym. <laughs> and uh, it's an amazing place. It's my family. I don't know what I would do without it and all of you. We have babies, grandparents, kids, uh, adults, people trying to be adults, right? Like, like, and uh, it, it, I could not, I could not go one day without it. And I have created that my whole life. This has led me to this place. And, uh, and I feel like I've been wrapped up in that warm, snuggy blanket again. Every day I get to go to work and do that. It's not really work. It's more like playtime. So to wrap up, which I know you've already told me, so, or you're about to tell me, <laughs> good timing. Um, adoption is like having a blank first chapter in your life storybook. Imagine being the only person in your world that you know that you're related to. You don't look like anybody. Well, sometimes adoption is really crappy, and, uh, and sometimes it's, it's not. Um, I get to define myself by how I see myself through my own eyes and through the eyes of those I love and those that love me. And it probably doesn't get any better than that. And... I get to make these amazing choices, and I get to, um, through my own eyes, share my gifts and heal by moving my body, and now I get to share that with others. And I get to make the choice of how I let my adoption affect me, and I choose to use it to make the world a better place. Thank you. Thank you, Ellen, for telling that story. To pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives event, fill out the contact form on our website at ravennarratives.org. We can't wait to gather together again and connect to the magic of live storytelling. Our May events are unfortunately canceled due to coronavirus concerns, but we are hopeful that we'll be able to host our SLAM storytelling event in September when the theme will be Lost, Found. And we are especially excited about our event in November when the theme will be Letting Go, Holding On. That event will be in collaboration with 20 Moons Contemporary Dance Theater Company, providing interpretive movement and music alongside the storytelling. So don't miss it. Check the events page at ravennarratives.org for more information. And don't forget to subscribe to the Raven Narratives podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher and share these stories with your friends and family. During times like these, we are especially grateful for all of the stories from the Raven Narratives archives over the past four years. Big thanks goes to our fiscal nonprofit sponsor, Mancus Valley Resources. Find out more about all the important projects they support in the Mancus Valley of Colorado at mancusvalleyresources.com. The website for buying Raven Narratives tickets, ravennarrativestickets.org, was created by Cortez Web Services. Find out how they can help your business online 
at cortezweb.com. Our theme music was written and composed by Mo Cooley and performed by Mo and the Motones. Find out more about their music on the Motones Facebook page. That's M-O-E Tones on Facebook. Thank you.